Hello. Oh, hi. We're back. We always say we're back, but we're always back. We're, we're, we never left. I know. <laughs> I feel like sometimes we don't leave, but welcome. Welcome to It's Time to Lean. Yeah, we are going to talk about a pretty heavy topic today, emergency response in the workplace and a little bit, you know, operational, what to do, you know, some of the feelings and emotions involved with that. So, yeah, it's not something that you really want to think about all the time, especially at work, but it's important to have some things in your back pocket because, there's definitely a rise in emergency responses in the workplace. I mean, I think you've got some stats for us, but things are looking pretty bleak out there. Well, and I don't think that things have necessarily gotten worse, but there's more awareness around some of it. So looking mm-hmm. at, you know, everything from, you know, what to do in case of a fire to What do you do if there's a mass shooter? So there is things that you can be aware of. And there's also things that you can ensure that your workplace has. And if it doesn't, how can you actually kind of educate yourself to make sure that you have the best and safest way to keep yourself alive or well during an emergency? Yeah, I guess this is your wake up call to go check your companies, policies, and like standard operating practices around emergency response. And if there isn't anything, you should definitely request that. Well, and I think so in one of my previous positions, I was very, very heavily involved and actually put together emergency response for different things. And most places will have like a fire drill, what to do in case of a fire. Mm -hmm. But Sometimes a lot of places don't have something beyond that. Or if they do, it's like dusty on a shelf and nobody looks at it. But it is actually important for you to look at it, have a drill every once in a while, or just make sure that everybody on your team knows what to do in the case of different emergencies. Yeah. And, you know, very often small businesses like mom and pop type stuff don't have like very well built out or or even at all, like any kind of like what to do. So, you know, if you work for a really small business, you know, this might be a great conversation starter around what to do in case of an emergency. But also, if you work for a really, really big company, maybe you did get this information when you were hired. Maybe it was part of your onboarding or part of your training, but you've probably never looked at it like ever again. And so go take a look and make sure that it's updated and that you understand uh, what's in there because shit gets real. Yep, for sure. And, you know, U.S. and Canada has different regulations about what needs to be involved and what needs to be provided in a workplace. Um, Everything from having policies and procedures in place to having actual safety committees. Like in Ontario, if you have a certain amount of people in a shop, You have to have a safety representative that meets with a safety committee at least, I think it's once a quarter. But there's all sorts of different regulations. Same within the U.S. Um, OSHA has a ton of information that you have to follow and to provide to people. But if people don't know, they quite often don't get you know, flagged for it. They don't, nobody is checking up unless there is a problem. Yeah. And once a problem has occurred, which is too late. Exactly. You don't want to wait till somebody gets injured or worse 
to respond. Yeah. So, you know, back to when I was a kid and I was in Girl Guide, they told us to always be prepared. What we're doing is kind of encouraging you and giving you some resources to be prepared. Yeah. And also, you know, hold your employer accountable. This is for your safety. I mean, if you are concerned, even if you're not concerned, I mean, especially if you have a family, like, you know, if something bad were to happen and you have to leave a family behind, like how horrible would that be? So this is something that's like simple, easy. There's regulation around it. Um, I think the sad truth is that so many employers just don't give a fuck and either do the bare minimum or don't really do it until they get a slap on the wrist. And typically these kinds of like inspections and stuff, if they end up do happening, like the first response is usually not like they're not going to get fined like right off the bat very often. They'll have a period where they can comply and where they can make changes and and stuff. So it's not like there's like the big bad wolf is not going to come for them right away either. So best to like check it out, make sure that your employer is there to protect you in case of an emergency. And I think that, you know, I've seen lots of different emergency response plans that were written 10, 15 years ago and just kind of stay there. And so 10, 15 years ago, shootings weren't as bad as they are now. So there wasn't the same kind of needs in response. Mm -hmm. And so looking back, it might even be that it's not that they don't care. It's that they just haven't looked at it in a while. And if there hasn't been many incidents, then people don't look at it. If nobody has ever had a fire, people forget to look up what their fire kind of plan is. Yeah. So, well, why don't we get into some kind of different emergencies and talk about what to do? Yes. So with some of the emergencies we have, this doesn't talk about every single emergency that you could possibly have because there are a lot of different ones. So there might be follow-up or we're just kind of scratching the surface potentially. The most common ones, I think. I would say so. I would say so. So the first one I have on here is fire. So what to do in case of a fire? We kind of learned this from a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, what to <laughs> in do? School. Yeah, exactly. Stop, <laughs> drop, and roll if you catch on fire. I literally thought that I would most likely catch on fire because I learned that so many times. I was like, well, people must catch on fire all, all the, time the time if they like spend so much time saying stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> but I haven't caught on fire. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, kind of like quicksand. Never fell in quicksand. Yeah. Thought I would definitely come across it more than once. I know. Isn't that so strange? As a kid, you get like these things get put in your head. Like this is definitely happening to me. No. But for most people, and maybe that's changed, but most people know stop, drop, and roll if you catch on fire. Yeah. But what's important to understand in your workplace is a couple of things. So what your emergency evacuation route is, is there a way that you should be going? Um, in order to leave the premises and where your muster point is. So a muster point is the meeting spot that in case of an evacuation, and that would be for all different evacuations that we have on here, that that is where you're supposed to meet as long as it's safe to do so. Mm -hmm. So usually it is outside of the building um, in like a corner of the parking lot or um, on a grassy lawn across the road, something that's far enough away from the building that it puts you in a safe spot, but close enough that you can be in touch. Yeah, agreed. And you want to make sure 
that if you're evacuating, you're just, you're not taking anything. Just like leave your shit behind. Yeah. It's recommended like close doors behind you, but don't stop. If the mall's on fire, don't stop to, you know, do anything else. If you're in danger, just go. Yeah. Your phone in the back room can be replaced. You know, product, leave it. It can be replaced. Oh my God. Don't be that person. Don't be a hero. (laughs) Only for yourselves and others. And, you know, watch out for anybody who might have a mobility issue or might have a harder time getting out. Um, That's really important that you're kind of watching out for who else is there that might need assistance getting to the place that they need to go. Mm -hmm. So look out for your other people, but don't look out for the product. Yeah, no. What other reasons do you need to evacuate? What, like, I know... Well, I've experienced uh, bomb threats in the past. And yeah, you want to, you know, same thing. It's, it's like similar to a fire. If there is a bomb threat and you need to get out of there, you need to go fast. You need to leave everything behind, grab your staff, grab your customers, whatever your work environment looks like. You know, I did, this was specifically in a mall environment and you like close the door behind you and you meet at the muster point and you wait for for things to get cleared. Now, thank goodness there was never an active bomb like it or like a bomb didn't go off is what I mean. But they have to take every threat seriously. And that happened. I don't know. I would say quite regularly, probably two or three times a year, you know, some asshole calling in a a bomb threat so so yeah they they can be annoying you know same with like fire drills they they feel really annoying when you have to do them but repetition builds habit and you're going to be much more likely to respond correctly if you're doing these and you're participating as if it's real and that will build your um like your path of least resistance if something actually does go wrong you will be in a way better position to respond appropriately. For sure. I mean, the other thing that drills really help with is it helps you kind of be able to get ahead of any like issues that you might have with evacuating. So sometimes if there's like not, let's say that there's smoke and they're like, we're trying to find out what it is, we're going to evacuate. You might stop to close your doors, close the doors, lock them, go out the back door. If your door takes 15 minutes to close, like that's not going to work. So if you have like any mechanical issues that you need to get to, if you have a sticky back door where the lock is like really hard to get open. Yeah. Or if it's your like emergency exit is blocked. Yeah. Like often. Yeah. You know, it can like pack it like full of inventory or like block it somehow. You're going to try and get like lots of people out there fast. It's not going to work if it's blocked. Mm -hmm. You got to have clear exits from your from your location, no matter where it is. Yeah. And I think that this is what helps you reach out to maintenance, reach out to your manager or figure out what could go wrong. You're going to figure that out during um, drills. Yeah, exactly. Drills are important. If you have a safety committee or somebody who's a safety rep in your location of work, then this is also something that they walk through on a regular basis. Is everything open? Is everything in good working condition? So that's one of the perks about having somebody focused on safety in the store. 
or yeah. location. And I think maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think here where we are in BC, if you have more than five employees on a work site, you have to have a safety committee or a safety representative. It's not quite that low. You have to have policies in place, but I th- it's it's higher than that. But I'll double check. I could be wrong. They might have changed it as well. It's been a couple of years since I've looked at the policy, but it was before in the past. You had to have a safety committee if you had over 20 employees and a safety rep. I have to double check. I just had to do this a little while ago at my previous employer. And so, yeah, okay, whatever the number is, like we'll put some resources in there. But you might want to check that out because if you have some people that work together in a space, and that can be an office, it can be a warehouse, it can be like anything that's like under one roof. If there's a certain amount of employees, you have to have a committee and there has to be a safety representative. And um, so that might be worth looking into. And it's going to change from province to province, state to state. For sure. Um, You know, like if we have any listeners anywhere else, it's going to be different where you are too. Yeah. So we have, you know, fire, we have bomb threats. Sometimes another one that you have to evacuate for is a gas leak. So that's one that I've Mm. experienced is I was working in a warehouse and there was something that hit one of the gas lines. And then all of a sudden we could smell that rotten egg natural gas smell. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't there at the time, but my team called me because they're like, oh, gas leak we had to evacuate so i went to the scene to make sure everything was okay they did a great job of getting to the muster point unfortunately it was raining so i just was like not heavily luckily but we were like just trying to keep keep it but we had to wait until the gas company could turn off the gas before we could get in there and so it turned into a bit of a thing but Mm. luckily as soon as they realized it happened they were able to leave so it kept everybody safe not only from an explosion which can happen but also from you know inhalation of the natural gas yeah like from a health yeah just just unhealthy yeah so outside of those kind of evacuation reasons there's also things like natural disasters so earthquakes earthquake you want to drop Um, I was just reading up on this. You want to drop or lock. And I know that sounds like kind of like a dance move, but it's either (laughs) drop to your like hands and knees. Covering your organs is important. So if you have your like underbelly kind of covered, it actually protects some of your vital organs or lock. So if you're in a wheelchair or in a walker, stay seated and lock the actual wheels so that you're not going to go all over the place and cover if possible. So get underneath a table or in a doorway, anywhere that you have some structural cover if Mm. possible, and then hold on to something. So you want to try to keep yourself under that table or whatever. So there's a few things with earthquake that a lot of people learn in school. So it's kind of just uh, being aware of if you're in a workplace on a regular basis, where would you go? Yeah, map that shit out now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. where's the best place? Yeah. Under the counter, in a cupboard. Yep. That's like, is the stock room the best place? Maybe not. Yeah. You know. Probably not is... if there's lots of things on shelves. Yeah, no. <laughs> not for earthquake anyways. <laughs> but yeah, suss that out. Just like find your spot. And, you know, this can be a, a 
quick routine kind of practice is like, you know, you're starting your day off with your team and you're like, okay, where are you? Earthquake. Everybody figure out where they're going to go in case of an earthquake. And it's, you know, a quick five minute drill that can help you with that. If you were stuck into something like an earthquake or a tornado or... Yeah, like hurricanes are quite common in like the southern U.S. Yeah. Or like up and down the East Coast. Um, And that like that can be really scary. And that's actually something that happens all the time. Yep. And so like covering yourself, it's the same kind of response of like, if you can shelter yourself as much as possible, keep cover. And then after the fact, you want to be careful, you know, sometimes there's water or floods, you know, with that or whatever, Mm -hmm. but you want to get out of a damaged building as quickly as possible. Um, Trying not to touch stuff because you never know what chemicals have been kind of moved and just get to a place that's open so that you can get help. If you get stuck, try texting or banging on pipes if you can, you know, just trying to get you know, people to know that you're stuck somewhere. But the same thing applies. It's like, if you can get out of there before it happens, get the fuck out. If you can get in your car and drive and, or, you know, have a way of getting away from the storm, away from where the action is, that is going to be the best. If you can't, got to batten down the hatches. Yeah. Like you might, not, you're you're probably not going to know that there's an earthquake coming. No, not with but earthquake, but with, for, for hurricanes often. Well, yeah. There's warnings. Yeah. So if there's a hurricane warning, a snowstorm is often, mm-hmm. if you're worried about getting home from work, you know, kind of making sure that you're aware so that you can not be there when it actually happens, yeah. if at all possible. But if you are in the situation, either something comes really quickly, you know, covering yourself as good as possible and then getting out when you can. Yeah. Agreed. I remember like some snowstorms that have shut down locations and it's like, no. Yeah. uh, Sorry. I once had to (laughs) abandon my car and wait like hours, like five or six hours to get help. It only happened to me one time. But and I mean, it was we're in Vancouver, so it's not like. You know, <laughs> but we don't know what to do with like three but inches. Know, of snow. Nobody knows how to drive or what to do. And it was really, really bad. It was like half the car and like I couldn't drive anymore. All the cars were scattered across all the roads. Like it was just impossible. And it took it took so long. And we had warning and, you know, like way too optimistic. Oh, it's going to be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then it wasn't and then fine. Until it's not fine. And then, you know, that could have ended way worse. I might have had to spend the night freezing, like, in a car, like, under snow. That, like, that could have ended badly. <laughs> well, thank goodness it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a normal day driving home from work. Nope. Nope. So that's what to do in some of those natural emergencies. Check your resources. Check to see that they have agreed upon locations that you muster in, who to call for help if you need to get like a gas company down or if you need to, you know, make the decision. Know how you make the decision whether or not to close down because that's sometimes a thing is like people will stay open because they don't know how to act and they don't know their rights. Yeah. Everybody has the right to refuse unsafe work. Yeah. And unsafe work can be also considered 
it is unsafe for me to get to work or to be able to safely get home afterwards. Mm -hmm. So if there's like a horrible hurricane or storm or snow or anything like that that is happening, you have the right to say, I need to go because otherwise I might be risking my life to go if I wait. Yeah. So knowing that can be a great way to kind of, you know, advocate for yourself, but also what do you do at that point? Who do you call? If you, you know, are like, we need to close down, who do you call and how do you get permission to do so? And how do you stand up for yourself to have a safe workplace? Yeah. So the other thing that we really need to acknowledge is shootings. So there has been Sadly, unfortunate, unfortunate amount of mass shootings and also individual shootings in North America over the last, you know, well, it seems like quite a while. But I even just looking at this year, it's a unbelievable amount. It just seems like it's further like escalating, escalating, more polarizing, more escalation, more polarization. And it just keeps getting worse. Well, and it is one of those things that we know that it will happen somewhere at some point. And so making sure that you know what to do can keep you safe if unfortunately it happens. Yeah. And I mean, the days of like Columbine are, you know, it happened like once that, you know, it was like big news. And and now they they're still big news, but there's so many that like it, it, you know, they just like can't even get all of it on the news anymore because it's just it's so many. And so some of them feature, you know, mass mall shootings or mass school shootings or it's it's just almost like, oh, it's just like, yep, daily news. Well, and I think that it's important to kind of recognize what a mass shooting is. So it does happen in a public place. Mass shootings are considered to be happening in a public place. Mm -hmm. And whether it's in a mall or if it's in a, you know, a school or a church, those are somebody's workplaces. So it's important to provide emergency response so that Mm -hmm. you can help yourself and others keep safe. And that emergency response will kind of change whether you're in a school where a teacher is responsible for for protecting their children. Um, or if you're in a mall where there's not responsibility so much for others, but it's, mm. you know, really kind of, you know, focusing on everybody doing what they need to do to get out. And the reality is if there's a shooting, it's going to be scary. And often we're left to freeze. Our anxiety kicks in, our fear kicks in, and we freeze. It is all about how quickly you can kind of turn that into action or thawing. I heard it is referred to. I'm like, thaw that freeze. Yeah. Um, And the way to do that is to know what you should do and then practice it. So in the U.S., there has been 414 mass shootings in 2022. That's more than one a day. That is out of control. That is nuts. And a mass shooting is, you know, um, an event that happens in public that is um, that four or more people are shot. And that doesn't include in that number the shooter. So not including the shooter because often they're killed in the event. Mm -hmm. Um, Four or more people are shot in this event. So it can sometimes be targeted. Like, unfortunately, there are 
gang-related targeting shootings, those types of things. But it also is, you know, the events like Uvalde and, you know, Buffalo, New York, grocery stores, you know, churches, malls, mm-hmm. like these are things that are happening. Schools, obviously. Yeah. And 414 mass shootings. So it is important for you to know what to do. In those shootings, 199 deaths. Whew. In Canada, we've had zero mass shootings this year. I mean, yeah. We love Canada. <laughs> but it's also important. I couldn't pull every single shooting that has been in a workplace in. I, I couldn't find those numbers. Um, I've got a great couple of resources that I'll put in the show notes. But we do get smaller shootings. Yeah. We're more chill. Yeah. And we don't have the same access to guns. Yeah. But we still do see shootings. A lot of times they're targeted shootings. They're usually targeted shootings like either gang related. We had one last week where somebody was targeted. But unfortunately, the taxi driver who was driving was also shot. And thankfully, you know, thankfully he's survived, um, but in critical condition. But things do happen. So it's important also if you hear gunshots, know what to do. So what do we do? So the U.S. um, National Defense Security Defense. (laughs) What is it called? (laughs) I lost the words. I lost the words, Inga. Uh, So the U.S. government. um, Yeah, just like blanket that shit. (laughs) U.S. government. Yes, you. Yeah. So they put um, a couple of resources and a model together, which I read everything about shootings because at a time we were seeing a lot of mall shootings either you know targeted small events or also mass events and so we were putting together like what to do in case of an emergency and so I read pretty much everything and there's lots of gadgets out there that you can get be wary of those but there is a model that does actually work well so the model is the run hide fight model have you heard about this? Yeah. I mean, that's it's very similar to how we respond or it, it like really is how you respond to almost any emergency. M- maybe like less aggressive if it's, you know, like a fire drill or something like that. But but yeah, you want to run, hide or fight. Yeah. And I think that sometimes people will try to hide first, but that mm-hmm. sometimes it's a bit more risky than yeah. running. Yeah, exactly. So the first thing that you want to do, if it you also can, puts you like in a in a more passive state, exactly where you want to like take action. Yeah, exactly. So the first thing that you want to do is run, if all possible. Um, it's harder to hit a moving target. It's hard to. It's, it sounds awful to think that way, but it's true. Yeah, and you want to run as quick, like as far away from the shooting that you can. Yeah. Um best case is like try to run behind things like try to run with some obscured view if possible so Mm -hmm. if you have if you see signs like running away you know behind those big signs or yeah you know try to keep out of the middle if you have an opportunity don't just run through the middle of a field or whatever yeah if you can't run you want to hide and some important things to keep in mind when you hide this is where drills will come in in handy in your workplace no you know is there somewhere that you can hide is there a back room that has an exit um because then if you can barricade that front door and then hide back there and if there's no shootings going on in back hallway or something like that leave through there it's 
still run. Is there cupboards or something that you can hide in that will keep you out of sight? And then stay as quiet as possible. Do make sure that you are a hundred percent sure that the shooting has stopped before you say anything or call out for help or anything like that and turn off the noise on your phone. Don't like you got to be as silent Don't be as obvious. possible. Yeah. 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 So hide. Don't be, don't be taking no calls. Exactly. And, you know, with the hiding thing, I've seen lots of gadgets out there that can um, like lock a door from the other side that can work, but be wary because if you get, let's say you get shot, you run to the back room, mm-hmm. you put on one of those things and you're by yourself back there and then realize that you can't get back up because once the adrenaline has gone to actually take that device off of the door, mm. then emergency response might not be able to get to you. Yeah. So something to keep in mind. Yeah. Especially if you're hurt and you're not always going to know that you're hurt like when you get hurt because yeah, adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah. So run, hide. And then the last thing is fight. So if you are faced in a situation that you can't run or hide, you have to fight for your life. And Mm -hmm. that can be using anything that you have around you, you know, grabbing a chair or a fire extinguisher or anything that you can to fight that shooter. Because if that's the state that you're in, that you can't run or hide, then that's that's where you're at but yeah. don't go well, to that like, unless you absolutely can't do yeah you others. don't want to go go fight first that's i mean this is this is your life it's a like a pretty scary situation but you want to whatever you can do to fight for your life and to disorient the shooter or you know finding moments where you can you know maybe you can get a good like blow in with a chair and that gives you a moment to escape might also help. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully you never have to do this, but I know that's so like morbid, even like talking about it and thinking about it. It's like really scary. Yeah. But if there is a shooter, if you have this in your mind and you're like, okay, I need to run, hide, fight, then you're more likely going to take action in the moment than if you haven't thought, what would you do in this situation? It's why they do active shooting drills in schools. It's why they do them some in some workplaces. Like it's important to know what to do so that you don't just freeze. Yeah. So sad to think about, but it is a reality of life in some, in like everywhere these days. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's a lot. Yeah. So sad. So one thing to also think about is if you are in a situation like a shooting or another uh, emergency, it's okay not to be okay afterwards. Yeah. And like, let's talk about what good employers do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, what do good employers do when something has happened, you know, unfortunately, whether it was in their control or out of their control. I think that's a topic for another episode. But, you know, let's assume something happened and your employer now needs to respond to what happened. What do good employers do? They are going to definitely offer some sort of counseling, 
put out services. And often employers already have like employee assistant, assistance programs that that deal with this at, at some level, but they may actually like really good employers will, depending on severity and size, will put together like something special just for that specific event that relates specifically to that, whether it's like sort of post-traumatic um, specific counseling or time off or paid leave or like a host of different things that might be very specific to that scenario. Yeah, for sure. And when I used to kind of support in this realm, we would send somebody from our EAP program to the store to do in person Mm -hmm. and really encourage that everybody who was present and open it up to people who weren't present because even just the fear of having something happen. Mm -hmm. And quite often this wasn't something that happened to them, but happened in the vicinity of them. So it could be even down another wing in a building, but It's still scary. If you're worried about getting shot just going to work, it's important to kind of, you know, be able to provide support for those employees. And that went over very well. And then, you know, figuring out what else they need, as you said, like, do they need a day off? Do they need some support from, you know, their leaders to come and spend some more time in the store? What is it that they need to feel comfortable to be at work? Yeah, it could be a a bunch of things. Childcare, you know, maybe they need time to deal with some things or go see their doctor or, you know, maybe they're spending some time in hospital. God forbid. Childcare is something that is sometimes overlooked, but um, I have heard of that also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that it is using empathy. Even if you haven't been in that situation, trying to put yourself in their shoes of how would you feel if a place that you viewed as safe became unsafe all of a sudden? How Mm -hmm. would that feel? What might you want? And then just meeting them where they're at to say, what what can I do? How can I help? Yeah, and it can take time for the shock to wear off um, as well. You might have bees in shock for several days after or hospitalized or worse. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good point. It's not just like, oh, they're over it in a week. If something violent happens or a traumatic event happens, it can pop up anytime for quite a while. So just be having your finger on that pulse that they might need some extra support. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that response that you brought up is so, so important. And it is almost like a three-tiered, how can a good employee support their employees, prepare them, Give them policies and procedures. Make sure that they know what to do in case of emergency. They know who to call in case of emergency. And then practice it. Make sure that it doesn't like just go away. Make sure that like it's not just in a dusty old book on the top of a shelf that nobody's ever looked at. They should be talking about it during orientation for employees. They should be, you know, bringing it up in daily huddles or however people kind of work and reminders about what it is. And then response, making sure that they respond appropriately, empathetically, and with care for their employees. Yeah, and it should be comprehensive. Obviously, employers themselves can't even think of every imaginable situation that is out there. But even like I'm thinking of, you know, a couple of years ago when we had the like really, like all of a sudden, like from one day to the next, we had extreme bad air quality from forest fires and smoke. 
And it almost happened overnight. And it's not something that we had dealt with really at that level where it was unsafe to be outside. And Vancouver's air quality was the worst in the world for about two days. And due to like fires and down in Portland and Seattle and also in the interior, it was like the perfect storm. And, you know, I had employees at work and we, you know, we needed to understand exactly what to do in that situation. And, you know, something like that is not necessarily specifically outlined, but your employer should have guidelines for that. When is it unsafe to come to work? When can you work outside? If you do manual labor, how much of that can you do or not do? You know, should you be wearing a mask? What type of mask should you be using? Should your employer provide a mask for you? How many masks should they provide? Does it have to be a KN95? Can it be a normal mask? You know, so, or does it have to be like a proper respiratory like gas mask. So, you know, a lot of those things came up and it wasn't like as immediate as like, oh my God, there's like somebody shooting, but it did come on very quickly. And it was something that, you know, we hadn't dealt with at that level before, but there was an emergency response procedure in place that we had access to. And just depending on the severity, um, could we were able to deploy a plan of action from there. Yeah, that's a great example. And that starts getting into like overall safety, which I feel like we're going to have to have a whole nother. Oh, totally. A whole nother at least episode or so about like how to keep your work safe, you know, from all the different elements from, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. And it's like, well, I feel like my like health and safety is on the line here. Like, do I come into work? It, like, is it safe for me to come into work? Is it safe for me to get into my car? is it not safe? Like, is this an emergency? Is this not? And it was like pretty big emergency for about a day. Yep. There was about a six hour period where we had to, you know, be like extremely careful and evacuate and put on extreme masks and like air filters and like all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I had to have oxygen that day. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't think about it and I was like oh I'm feeling woozy and yeah, yeah. first yeah. aider gave vomiting me some oxygen like headaches. yeah yeah it it like was pretty I mean it's not not it's still an emergency response yep not as like imminent as yes yeah so we'll continue that conversation in some of the safety ones that we'll do in the future yeah and we'd love to hear from you have you experienced a emergency like the ones we just kind of talked about what was the what was the situation like and how did your workplace respond was it good or was it bad would you do anything different we want to hear from you so if you have any of those reach out to us um on our website or you know just send us a message All, all the you know contact information is in the show notes as well as i'll put all of the information and the resources that we use to kind of pull together some of the ideas for today so i hope that you can stay safe out there. Yeah. And remember, be a leaner, not a wiener. 